Markitecture is a new publication offering in-depth interviews with leading vendors, founded by Ari Paparo, along with a team of ad and marketing tech experts. Every week, we add another two full-length video interviews from these experts to help you decide which partners are the best fit for your business. Visit Markitecture.tv to register and start receiving Markitecture's weekly free newsletter. This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke with Jonathan Streetfield. He's the Vice President of Global Business Research and Marketing at Activision Blizzard. Jonathan and I talked about his new book on the state of gaming and advertising. We also talked about whether the recent hype in this space has been matched by spending from advertisers, what went wrong with Google's cloud gaming product, and whether Netflix has a real chance at building a legitimate gaming contender. Let's get started. Everything we know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is Jonathan Stringfield. He is the Vice President of Global Business Research and Marketing at Activision Blizzard, and he's also the author of the book, Get in the game, how to level up your business with gaming, esports, and emerging technologies. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Uh, you are one of very few, a short list of people I've had on the show twice, um, which, which, so you should be very honored. I think I, I looked it up. We actually spoke in June of 2020, which is a long time ago. In Which is funny, because on the one hand, that feels like a long time ago. Realistically, it isn't. And yet, the types of things that we want to talk about have changed a lot. In, in there, so that's that, maybe that that is something to do with it. Yeah, that is my layup question you just set up for me. I was going to say, so we were we were talking about at that time a lot about like what's going on with in, tell me the history of in game advertising. What's going on? So what it, what has changed since then in your mind? Ooh, so I think we had a you know small worldwide event um, wherein mm. we stay indoors for quite some time, which is to say the the COVID nineteen pandemic, which. Aside from, you know, the, the bigger economic and social and social political issues that, that that raised that obviously I think really had a significant shift in terms of how people think about, look at, talk about things like gaming on the more obvious side and straightforward stuff. It's, you know, recognition, hopefully the gaming has been on the rise for a while. It got a boost from the pandemic. There was, I think this broader reconciliation that this was increasingly, again, entertainment. The more people were turning to, they're using it for social connectivity, mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff that, that we've, uh, you know, been looking into in the intervening years. And then on the more kind of like far-reaching side, you know, all of a sudden this conversation about the metaverse and the very future of the commercial internet kind of spawned from this same general impetus, right? Yeah. As we were isolated as people, we were thinking about the possibilities of virtual world. So those are the big ones. And then there's that other kind of backdrop, which is just realistically, you know, I would venture to say more cultural acceptance of gaming that has, again, probably in line with the amount of folks that were, you know, kind of reinvesting in it during the COVID pandemic yeah. is really kind of punched up. And you're seeing that in IP sharing between Hollywood and all sorts of other things. So like long and short, it's been a very interesting number of years in, in the gaming and in gaming adjacent worlds. Yeah. Uh, so every, the, the common term everyone talked about with the pandemic was it has accelerated things that were already going to happen. Gaming was already certainly huge, and it it definitely usage shot up during especially the real height of staying at home. But so you're, I think you're saying that it also not only accelerated the growth of the medium, but in, in it, it it opened up the perception or elevated the perception for more marketers and advertisers that this is not just the kid, you know the old kids in the basement thing. Um, 
and the way that you, and what it was used for was different than maybe they thought about it. I, I think so, right? Because you know, again, if you are like, let's you know, go back to two thousand or whatever, you would find a lot of marketers that were kind of caught in that trap, right? Oh, well, mm-hmm. gaming is just this weird thing that young men do on their own in their basement. But then, you know, throughout the pandemic, and I think just generalized education about the industry that's occurred since then, you know, okay, all right, we're, we're coming across the line that the demographic is broader. Fine. Oh, also, I guess I can now connect with, you know, my parents who I can't visit because they, yeah. I don't know, underlying health issues and do so through the medium of gaming. And oh, wow. Okay. So there's the social component. Right, so it's like, not a solitary thing. Like you might remember, it's very different than the games of your, your youth. And you would assume, you would kind of expect that to be a gimme because, you know, games in general, since ancient, like not just video games, obviously, but since like ancient times have inherently been social activities and yeah. we kind of forgot about that. So it, it's a little bit of, you know, a much needed opening of the eyes towards what the industry really is. The industry itself didn't really change that much over COVID. Again, we, we certainly had some tailwinds from, you know, folks being more indoors, just looking to invest in entertainment generally. I think you saw the same on streaming mm-hmm. and what happened. But... It's it's more that folks kind of see it for, for what it is. And it is indeed, obviously, like a big entertainment sector, but you weren't thinking about that if you weren't paying attention to in the proceedings. Right. Did the last couple of years, cha- did what you're describing change? When, when I remember when you and I talked, and it's been true for a long time, that gaming, to, for it to grow as an advertising medium, there, there were some, there were a lot of ways you could get into the world, but it was also not a standard way. There was not a single standard way of doing it. From everything from way it's bought and sold, who who's responsible for the budgets? Are they? Is it digital? Is it gaming only? Is it something else? Did any of that change? Did did that did it push the obstacles to get out of the way, or is it still kind of a all over the place medium? I think it's still going to be a challenge. I mean, I think the the single biggest blocker. So again, if we were to you know rewind back to two thousand, I think one of the yeah. biggest obstacles I would have said that's that's in front of brands getting into gaming were generally. It was just misconceptions about the audience, the potential, the size, and so on and so forth. Now, we're not 100% over that hill, but I think today we're a hell of a lot better off than what we were, again, two or three years ago. Yeah. So now at least we're ha- we're starting to get to some of these more productive conversations. But that, that doesn't okay. mean that the structure has cha- necessarily changed overnight. Exactly. So like, okay, I'm a CMO. I get it. I'm interested. I see that my consumer's here. How do I do it? Oh, darn, there isn't like a single marketplace for gaming. Mm-hmm. Great. So so what do I do? So there's going to be a little bit of that fragmentation. I think there is going to be a maturation in terms of how we on the studio side start to look for how we can reach out to the marketing community. And I think likewise, hearing from the marketing community, how they like to transact, what's the right way to interact with them is, is going to be helpful. But I think if nothing else, it's that we're getting towards those conversations of, okay, how do we move forward and not just, hey, right. please pay attention to us in general, right? Like that's less the conversation today okay. is a positive shift. Uh, during during this, we keep talking about this two or three year period of, of massive change. You were, you wrote a book. As I mentioned, were you going to write a book? Were, like, did this, did the last couple of years spark you to do that? And then, um, and what, 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 what did you, what did you learn most about writing a book? What, what'd you, why'd you do it? And what'd you learn? Yeah, I think my, my ongoing joke about this to again, point to the pandemic is, you know, some people like, got real good and got sourdough starters and whatnot. <laughs> right, took up thing. knitting or whatever. Exactly. So, you know, I decided to write a book, right? So it was just something to kind of keep me sane in the, in the intermediate period. We all had our coping mechanisms, right? So on the one hand, that's where, you know, I found perhaps the impetus for it. 
the the background of it is that you know realistically what i found was you know whether it was you know going to these panels or or talking with advertisers or what have you is that i was seeing the same stuff over and over and over and over right and and again like back then and still arguably today it's a lot of like misconceptions about the the you know the, the landscape of the industry who's playing who's participating the ways like genres all mm-hmm. this stuff and came to recognize that you know i think the the one thing that's clear is that in the marketing world, our overall institutional knowledge of something like gaming is near zero, right? Like we're pretty sophisticated about things like television and social yeah. and radio and increasingly connected TV and what have you, gaming less so. So meaning, meaning, meaning like the CMOs, they have, they get, they not only get the media that you're talking about, but they have benchmarks and ideas for what works and what doesn't and how to buy it. They just don't, they 100%. just really don't know it. That 100%. They have spent a lot of time, as they should, to really kind of understand not just the meaning itself, but how folks interact with it, why they do so, what are they getting out of it, all this wonderful stuff. And it's just, it just wasn't there for gaming. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, you know, and I think we talked about this in the past, right? Like, there have been starts and stops in terms of marketing opportunities for gaming. So, like, no institutional knowledge, no references, no real kind of resource existed that could kind of jumpstart individuals' thinking. Like, and again, like, Groups like the IEB and what have you have done a wonderful job in terms of like putting standards out there and whatnot. So, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say that nothing existed, but nothing that was comprehensive that could give, you know, a bit of a jolt to the conversation. So that's why, like, I felt like there was truly a book's worth of like background that was necessary because even outside of video games itself, you are talking about a medium that's fundamentally different than the way that we we traditionally consume media insofar that it is immersive and interactive. And that just doesn't gel with the marketing community right now, right? Like a lot of the media that they advertise in, that we consume, that we have consumed historically, is passive. So even the baseline psychology yeah. of interactive versus non-interactive media, ooh, we we need to- Even though we've been calling stuff interactive for like 25 years, most of the me- the actual spending and activity is in, these, is in media that is not so. Indeed. And that's why I think like some folks will argue with me, and there's merit to it, that like interactive isn't the right word. Like- Immerse is the right word. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, fine. But like somewhere like basically that you have to be an active participant in the media. That is one of the biggest single yeah. differentiations for something like video games. And that's a different way that we think about process information, what have you. And therefore, how you want to communicate to someone through that medium needs to be a little different. Not necessarily in a bad way, because again, as you might suspect, if I'm an active participant, I'm paying attention. Yeah. They're there, right? There's dividends to be played, but nonetheless we're kind of starting from a lower level of knowledge because this ain't social. This ain't television. It's something that- Right. Well, I was going to say, over the last, I don't know, call it a couple of years, there's been a lot, there's been a renewed interest in this category, like you said. More, there's been funding coming for in-game startups. More, there's more prediction. Suddenly there's predictions about growth of in the in the spending where there wasn't for a while. But uh, if you contrast it with CTV, let's say, that right. has grown really fast and it seems like it's almost been relatively easy for that medium to grow because it's kind of it's past it's tv commercials in a different place right and it's like same kind of psychology as television for television advertisers well this is not the same kind of deal um has the so i guess my question is like has the has the hype it's not it has not been out of control but the the, the, the renewed interest slash hype of the last couple of years has it matched spending in your view or is it still a work in progress yeah, it's still a work in progress. And and again, I, I think that's to be expected, right? Like, again, I think as we discussed, you know, way back in, in the days of yore, like I was early on in social too, right? Like there was always those charts that people like to trot out that was like, 
you know, this many hours in social and, you know, which was a ton. And yeah. This many in terms of spend, which was little. And then they showed television. It was this many hours in television, which was small and this much spend, which was large. So I think like we're still about at that juncture in, in terms of gaming. And again, to be fair, there are still some of those challenges in terms of like how to better onboard advertisers and what have you. So like some of that's on us. Some of that's on, you know, the, 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 the behaviors and whatnot of the marketing community. But yeah, like things like CTV are going to pick up almost immediately because like people have been, and excuse me, let me be more precise. Marketers have been desperate for some sort of shift, some sort of analog to linear television, which yeah. has largely been falling off a cliff for the past decade. Right. So, right. That's a big motivator. When you're losing the thing that you used to get, rely on, you're gonna you're gonna jump on whatever seems to be able to replace it. Indeed, and you know, I was, I was just talking about this this morning that, like, you know, in terms of my background, as, as you're aware, like, I started at Nielsen, right, doing television ratings. I was early at Facebook, early at Twitter, now in gaming. So I've been like mm-hmm. on this like bit of a journey from like more traditional linear to kind of like these newer forms of entertainment. And what I know conclusively is that, like, look, as much as we as marketers, as advertising community, like to really put say that, like, we're, you know, very, like, tech-savvy and accelerating at the edge of the curve, that's kind of a lie we tell ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. They, like, again, you, you, you were still in that mode where we just are desperate for that world of linear television to be relevant again. And as that increasingly fades from, the, from a potentiality, just being able to plug in my old media models, put in my MMM, do all the stuff I was doing before to go to CTV is really, really attractive. Right. Now, opens up a host of other issues, but like, nonetheless, it's attractive to me. So like, there's always going to be a little bit of that difference. And interestingly, when we talk to advertisers, in terms of where they're putting budget in the quote unquote experimental buckets, usually gaming's up there in CTV. And I'm not privy to, you know, how that breakdown works in terms of who gets what percentage or whatnot. But if I was to wager a guess, I would think that most marketers are still putting more into CTV relative to gaming. Sure. Obviously biased. I don't know if that's the best strategy, but it's one of these things that's kind of in that new, innovative, ahead of the curve type mix that the marketers are, are considering. Have you? I probably asked you this question a couple of years ago. Have you figured out, is there any um, standard way the bu- or path that the budgets are coming? Like, is it coming out of TV money? Is it coming out of the experimental? Is it coming out of something special for gaming? All of the above? Yeah, it's a little bit of all the above, right? And, and I mm-hmm. think it's the extent to which any given advertiser or agency or what have you has a quote-unquote gaming strategy. Now, I put that in yeah. quotes because, you know, even what gaming strategy means is very different to... Right. Any- We're speaking very broadly, but it's a lot of things. Indeed, like, gaming strategy to some might mean Twitch. Yeah. Right? And that and that, that qualifies. That That's certainly in the ecosystem, right? Gaming strategy to another might just mean esports. Gaming strategy to another might mean sponsorships, IP partnerships, and alliances. So, like, it's a big surface area, right? So, there, there's because there's a lot of different entry points, right. there isn't really that comprehensive view. And I think what's guiding folks in terms of when, where, and how to integrate has more to do the institutional knowledge they have in either their advising agency or within the brand than right. might make the most sense for the brand per se with a larger purview of the overall industry, hence why... I'm in the business of trying to create some materials to like make sure folks are cognizant of all the other potential ways to enter into the ecosystem. Anything really surprise you in writing the book or, or something that really hammered home as being the most crucial part of what you want to communicate? I mean, you know, obviously there, there's a lot there, but I would say the, the single biggest thing that I, I want folks to really kind of focus on is that there, it, it's really about kind of how the medium of video games has evolved and the history behind it and why it's kind of important for us to understand technology more generally. And this is too something that I talk about a lot that, you know, again, let's 
and, and apologies, I'm going to have to drop the word because I think you can't talk about gaming without talking about metaverse. Like mm-hmm. people got very interested, like, wow, cohabited virtual worlds. And like, yes, I think that most folks do recognize that for the most part, all of that exists currently within the realm of gaming. What they might not understand is that cohabited virtual worlds have existed in gaming for like 50 some odd years. Yeah. So there's a long history there, right? So what I am, am often talking with, you know, advertisers or marketers or whatever, talk about like the why of gaming more generally, like, can it drive impact for your brand? Absolutely. And that's my job. I can prove that to you pretty conclusively using whatever methods make sense to you, right? But also as a means for understanding how we as humans think about, contextualize and bring new technologies into our lives, whether it's televisions or computers or mobile phones, particularly touchscreens, games were almost always the first expression or the first application that we used within each of these technologies. So the point that I try to push is like, you know, understanding, getting into and having a strategy around the gaming, you know, ecosystem isn't just good business for today. It's going to prepare you for tomorrow, even outside of just this. This is what we continually turn to, to understand new technology, because it's a very human way for us to relate to technology. When you and I first talked, I think you you stood out to me as uh, Activision Blizzard was one of the few was one of the few companies in gaming that had really dedicated an advertising practice and business. There was always this reputation that game companies weren't so sure about advertising or the developers didn't love it. Um, by the way, we should mention your company is in discussions with a big acquisition, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It's getting hung up by regulators. We 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 cannot talk about that right now, but what, have things changed in the broader gaming landscape? Or is there are is the in overall industry, more amenable to advertising than it once was? I mean, what I'll say in, in here, too, that something that I, that I talk about in my book that I think is, is important for folks to understand, again, I'm going to speak about broad industry, not about Activision Blizzard, you know, specifically, mm-hmm. is that if you look at the quote-unquote traditional model of game making, which is like kind of the blockbuster model, right? That like, I'm going to make a game, I'm going to charge you 60 or 70 bucks up front, and if it's a hit, I'm feeling good. If it's not, I might be dead, right? Yeah. Like, um, a lot of folks that look at the business of gaming say that like all companies are essentially treading water. And then you, you, you take that phenomenon and look at the fact that game development has become more time intensive or expensive. It's taking longer than ever. And all of a sudden things are looking a little complicated in terms of the economic realities of it. What has happened and why you see things like subscriptions, why you see things like cloud gaming, mm-hmm. advertising, recurrent revenues is essentially to offset that need or at a minimum supplement that need for the quote unquote blockbuster money. Long and short- Because it costs so much to, to, if you miss if you miss the costs are just if, if you like Again, like you're either thriving or you're dying and there was just very little in between. Yeah. That's just how the, the nature of the industry has been. So realistically, I think in, in what I talk internally to studio stakeholders and what have you, and again, my team works very closely with advertisers. We also work very closely with the studios is that these things exist to future-proof the company because there are very few folks that you know have looked into and have studied the business of gaming who believe that that model of just upfront $60, $70 of you mm-hmm. is sustainable. Now, again, don't get me wrong. That's not going away tomorrow, 10 years, or even 20 years from now. Yeah. But having these other forms of revenue is important. So I bring all that up because a lot of those forms of revenues, particularly advertisements, sponsorships, corporate alliances, all that stuff is obviously areas where brands subsidize it and also the surface area that brands can operate in. So yeah. as it becomes more of an economic imperative, it becomes more amenable for brands to come into the ecosystem and be able to participate in a meaningful way. Okay, we keep talking about this very from a very high level perspective. Can you can you just can you get into some great good examples of some work you've done with brands over the past couple of years that maybe 
is more advanced than you would have seen pre-pandemic or just before this industry became more and more established? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to point to a fairly recent one that we did with um, Product Candy, which was a fragrance, which was not a launch. It was a it's, a, it's a brand, it's a label that's existed for a while, but for the most part, it had kind of stalled out. And they were looking for a mechanism through which to drive trial, like literally have people get mm-hmm. a sample of the fragrance. So we worked with them to not only have like video ads or what have you, but also an interactive game element in Candy Crush, which again, Candy Prada, Candy Crush. There was like this neat little synergy in terms of the branding, sure. which then when they completed the game led to them being able to get, you know, get a sample from, from Prada Candy. So the trick here being is that one, I think there has been this ongoing belief that, you know, in a game environment, you can't do the things that you would do in other platforms. And that's wrong, right? Like we're okay with folks clicking out of the game. Right. Sampling yeah. kind of things, but that's for another, that's for another media. That was the thinking in the past. So that's a difference. Correct. Whereas, and in, in the Glossy did a write-up on it that, and the exact number is eluding me, but we blew through all of their sample within hours. And wow. I mean, thousands and thousands of samples. So, and, and the client, as you might suspect, was ecstatic, right? So there's sure. something to be said that, you know, on the one hand, you know, I spent a lot of time, we just talked a lot about how gaming can be very different, it's different psychology or what have you, but also in the right application, it can perform in the same way that you'd want other types of platforms. But again, we just need to be a little bit thoughtful about how we do those integrations. So that one was meaningful for me because, you know, again, we could sit here and talk about like, you know, big activations and like Roblox or even in our esports league or these kind of flashy events mm-hmm. and like, yes, they're cool. And th- those things need to exist. But realistically, what most marketers are going to be interested in is this kind of like bread and butter stuff of how do I move my brand forward? And look, we can innovate on that or we can do what you need to do and maybe do it in a way that's more effective than other platforms. So I think being able to talk with advertisers and having that duality of both being at the cutting edge. And if you want to go big, we can go real big. But if you want to do something that is highly creative to your brand is something that you would look to the other platforms for, we can cover that as well. You mentioned Candy Crush, which is, which is a humongous mobile game primarily. Have, how much has, my assumption would be that the whole Apple AT&T change over the past couple years, another macro huge shift in our industry, yeah. Would it would have really shaken up what works and what doesn't work in in game advertising? But it may be just limited to app install companies that happen the things that happen off outside of your walls. Has it has that f- changed the mix of advertising that you're doing in mobile or in, in a better or worse way? I mean, it certainly had an effect, right? And and again, you you are quite correct that for you know us as a business, but then also who those who might want to do like install campaigns or otherwise through the platform, like. It, it just got that much more complicated. The If you look at something like ATT or, or you know, others, you know, forthcoming potential, mm-hmm. you know, privacy um, restrictions that are going to come up, you know, if you're going to be very high level about it, you could say, okay, we are slowly creeping towards a world that we're going back to contextual targeting, right? Um, which is super uncomfortable yeah. for many marketers who got very enamored with the idea of very minute details and who knows what the quality was, but Screw it. We it's just going to be one to one, super precise. And now that's exactly. changed radically. And again, we put way too much confidence in that data, and that's neither here nor mm-hmm. there. But long and short, you, we got into what I, could, I think we can fairly describe as a bad habit of just like really needing to lean on this highly descriptive targeting, which just doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, if we can accept the fact that that that's not going to be the reality that we operated within, and again, advertisers mm-hmm. are going to be slower, some are or some are going to be a little bit quicker. Then just understanding and being assured of the type of 
consumer that's within any given media experience is going to be super important. And we have a really firm grasp of who plays games like Candy Crush. And it's kind of what you'd expect for that particular title. It's like the cheap the chief shopper officer, right? It tends to be older folks who have a household, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So like if you're a CPG brand, if you're a beauty brand, if you're a retail brand, like all day long, right? So in that case, I think we've actually been able to have a fairly good story to tell because, you know, we don't want to go so far as to rely completely on contextual targeting. We're not there yet. We do offer, you know, programmatically all the types of wonderful targeting that folks would expect. But at a minimum, as the our options in that world start to go down, we can be very confident that like, look, we can still deliver the audience that you want because we know this audience exists in this IP and this other audience you might want actually exists in this IP and then point the advertiser accordingly. Right. Um, one of the things, one of the areas that there's been excitement around, but I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have a great sense of how fast it's moving, is this idea that gaming, we can get to that big, because games are, the economics are changing and the models are not every, not every game is the $60 a month no, no advertising kind of title where you have these free-to-play games like Fortnite with huge audiences that you'll be able to have like a CTV-like advertising experience. We'll be able to do the big screen ads on the big console titles. Where is that movement? Is, is that coming? Are we going to see like the ad-supported Fortnite come out and become like an option where it's, you know, it's on par with television? So there's a couple different angles to consider here. Um, so I think the first in terms of like the trajectory as it exists now, there's the, the kind of like two broad, you know, philosophies in terms of the right way to put an ad in the game. On the one hand, mm-hmm. you offset the extent to which you pull someone out of the game experience with some sort of rewards. That's reward video. Right. It's very popular in games for, for cause. And again, we could go on and on about how like it's very to a certain degree necessary and acceptable within gaming because, again, the relationship that folks have with that medium is different than, say, social That, that value exchange we talk about is very upfront. Exactly. And, and, and the, the players appreciate it. They're paying more attention to ads. Like, there's all sorts of, like, really fun downstream effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like in Candy Crush or Mobile Tiles, we use that to great effect. The other philosophy is that the message, the marketing, the ad, or what have you, is woven into the game experience to the extent to which it doesn't even feel like it's intruding upon the game experience and optimally can improve it. So the stereotypical example is like billboards, product placements, and like sports games, racing yep. game, real life games like Call of Duty and what have you. So that's a long way of saying that I think what we'll find is that that second line of thought is what's going to be more common in quote unquote, more traditional games played on PCs, consoles, or what have you, because it's a little bit more difficult and trickier from a design aspect to pull someone out and offer the reward relative to weaving it in. Now, that means not every game is obviously going to have that potentiality. Like, again, that works well for, again, a Call of Duty, probably not for Diablo, which is a fantasy game with swords and magic and right, things like that. You really don't want to break the illusion or have a commercial yeah, break like, kind of thing. Exactly. Like, I love Mountain Dew, but Mountain Dew is just not going to fit in there, right? Right. So, so that that's where I think that we're, we're, we're already starting to get a bit of a foothold. Now, the more kind of interesting and wide-ranging and more kind of future-looking POV that we can adopt is that if you look at where game companies are going more generally, it is towards a world where the game experience is being divorced from the game device, meaning that cloud streaming is becoming more the norm. So in that case, what's going to increasingly be common is that you can play any game experience that you want, mobile or otherwise, Mm -hmm. on any screen the household big small or otherwise you don't have to have the playstation 5 or whatever this this works works you don't need an expensive console you don't need an expensive pc you can just play and so what that means is that again with this overall trend of the surface area that's offered up to marketers just increasing by merit of some of the revenue models also how consumers are playing the games 
what we'll find is there'll, there'll be that natural matriculation for these types of games to also be on the big screen. So in both cases, I think all things are leading towards the big screen, the center of the media ecosystem that advertisers love, but also with the recognition that what we're going to be good at and what I think increasingly, and we've done research on this in terms of how consumers are, are you know, actually participating in media, it's kind of bite-sized throughout the day and what makes sense for them. And cloud's very good at that. Things like short-form video are very good for that. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to start thinking through like, yes, we want to get on the big screen. That's important. But also a lot of media consumption is increasingly pulling away from that prime time model that... Again, we've been desperate to return to the linear TV days about. Right. So it can't just be another way to deliver 30s every, you know, every 10 minutes. That, that, that Maybe yeah. there are cases like that, but it's, it's going to be, have to be unique to the medium and be a little more creative. Will, will that, there's been a lot of investment I mentioned in companies that are, to me, more akin to like programmatic advertising, like, you know, they're, they're ad networks for gaming. Will, if that world materializes that you're describing, will it be more of a programmatic play or not necessarily? TBD. So, I mean, I think the the programmatic ecosystem is really addressing, and I mean this in a positive way, kind of the long tail game developers that, you know, Activision Blizzard is obviously a huge game developer, but what you'll find is if you double click in the industry, like a big swath of games, and I'm going to throw this number out here, but don't quote me on it, that if, even though I recognize we're being, we're being recorded, recorded. Yes, but um, like a not like 50, 60%, I think of the games on Steam, which is a PC platform for playing games are actually made by independent developers. So uh-huh. Long and short, what those, you know, ad tech type companies that are installing into games are allowing to do is to get access to this long tail of games that like, I don't have for you, right? Like that's not something. If your lens is just Xbox, PlayStation, you're missing a big chunk of this world, in other words. Right. Or or if it's just like, I want to be in racer games. Like, yes, there are huge franchises that, you know, any one of the big publishers make, but also tons of independent titles Mm -hmm. we present in. And again, you can then buy in all these wonderful programmatic ways. So. I think there'll, there'll always be a need for that type of pipe work, okay. that kind of long tail. As it pertains to some of these bigger opportunities, we'll see. I think these are conversations that are active right now, right? right. That, you know, if I'm thinking about as a practical example, how do we put ads into a game that, you know, is already exists and, you know, can it be programmatic? Will that put more overhead in the game? Will the game then be too big to install on a phone? Like, Again, I think we want it to be as close to programmatic as possible because, again, it's turnkey. It's very convenient for advertisers. But while doing so, make sure that it makes sense for the game environment, makes sense for the game engine, and that also keeps the quality of the ads very, very high and very selective in terms of who we enter into the game. Because the other thing that I like to point out is like, yes, sure, I'm obviously working with advertisers. I'm beholden to them as my customer. But I'm also working with the studios, and they don't want a bad ad in their game for a whole bunch of reasons no, that are it is their product yeah indeed uh, a couple more from me Jonathan I want, this is terrific what, you mentioned part, part of your gig is esports um, that, that is a, another category that got a tremendous amount of attention in the few, last few years but there's been some criticism lately or, or some questioning about how big the addressable market is going to be I, Mark Cuban actually called it not a great business recently sure. can you kind of catch us up in a I know it's not easy to do, but the state of esports and how the, how big the growth is there, where the ceiling might be. Yeah, I mean, so here too, it's that like speaking about the industry broadly, not just specific to Activision Blizzard and what have you. Is that you know there was a lot, a lot of enthusiasm, and I think VC money and what have you that was really kind of pumped in the industry um, mm-hmm. around last time we chatted, and I think through there, where I think the expectations were that this would be something that was going to be as big as football. Watch out, NFL, here it comes, yeah. 
a couple of years. And like candidly, like there were some stats that were tossed out that like didn't really hold water that like, oh, wow, this particular match got viewed more than 20 Super Bowls. And like, and, mm-hmm. so like there was just so much hyperbole around it that it, it got to the point where I think expectations were stoked so high that when what we saw is that, you know, it's not stratospheric growth, it's growth. And believe me when I tell you that like esports, competitive video gaming, what have you, will be, is now, and will continue to be a growing and potentially in the future, extremely large to the rival of traditional sports medium. It's not something that happens every two years. So then what happens right. is the VC money, the hype money, a lot of it got sucked out. The whole ecosystem took a hit by then. And right now there's kind of this transitional phase where I think afloat on a lot of VC money, a lot of investors and what have you, there, a lot of the organizations are now trying to find a way like, okay, how do I stabilize with less of that money coming in the door? I think what we're going to find is that real innovation is going to happen in this environment where I think something that the esports organizations, the esports industry has been doing more generally is really becoming masters of like content lifestyle marketing, right? Like if you look at some of these organizations, what they weren't doing is just bringing in fans on the basis of winning. They're bringing it on the personality of the athletes, the street set, yeah. things like that. So much so that you could actually point to the NFL of like looking at what esports was doing and starting to do some of that with their players. So yeah. like that's an example. I expect that we'll start to see more innovations in that direction as the overall industry that again, it's at a point where I think it's growing, it's stable, but not to that like hockey stick that everyone was expecting. And they're trying to charter that new future. Right, right. So it's not as though there isn't a consumer appetite that it's not, it's, it's a budding, but a budding leisure activity or, or something that people are going to follow. It just hasn't grown commensurate with the, with the funding and hype. So it's just going to take longer than maybe people expected. Um, so. You mentioned a couple of times cloud gaming and the subscription models that are out there. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on what last in the last year, Google's high profile project Stadia went away. Do you have any thoughts about why that didn't work? What, where, and where yeah. that, where that means for us? Yeah, the the big issue there, and so I'm going to say one word that applies to Stadia, it's going to apply to most other cloud offerings, it's going to apply to VR, it's going to apply to a lot of technology that everyone kind of looks at and be like, why isn't this doing anything? That Mm -hmm. was content. The problem with Stadia was that it was awesome technology. And I, I owned one and what have you, and like, they really did a lot of things that were innovative. What didn't come across the line, there wasn't enough games, there wasn't enough content to sustain mm-hmm. it as an offering. And again, the analogy here of VR that, again, people keep saying like, oh, it's going to be the future and we're going to get better headsets and what have you. And again, like there's some problems with the tech and it needs to, like, I think it needs a few more generations to evolve and so on and so forth. But if you look at the install base of it against, against like, you know, people who play PC games, again, on, on that platform, Steam, it's like 2%. And the reason mm-hmm. that is there aren't a lot of awesome experiences on VR. So right. cloud gaming or realistically any game technology succeeds when it's backed by an expansive, attractive library of content. Right. It will fail if it doesn't have it. And, and it's it's truly as simple as that. I think if there were, and again, it's, you know, easy to be kind of like an arrogant armchair CEO, but if there was a world where Stadia, Google, or whomever could have been in a position to bring more publishers in the ecosystem, start more, you know, um, potential studios. By the way, let's point at Netflix for a moment. That was going to be my next question. Also in this game, but look what they're doing, right? They have a big content library. It's hard to find, and I don't think they're doing an awesome job marketing it at the moment, but they got a lot of content and they're building their own studios. That's someone who's playing to win and to stay in this particular So that was going to be my question. Can they, you know, I I don't know enough about their 
titles to know that, that they have a budding hits, but like, how hard is it going to be for a Netflix? Do they have to spend a crazy amount? Like what they do, you know, to get on them, to get on them, um, on the map with television, they had to spend for like these HBO like shows like house of cards. And then they got taken seriously. Like, do they have to go crazy and get a, get five huge hits out of the, out of the gate to make that work? Or what, how is that going to, what are the prospects there? I mean, it's, you know, again, I, I don't think anyone aside from the folks at Netflix know like the full strategy there, but I, what we can piece together, and again, from no specialized knowledge, just what I read in the same places that you read things, right? Is that, mm-hmm. again, they they have a nice content library. They're making it available to their subscribers. So all of a sudden, right out the date, uh, right out the gate, you have like a lot of, you know, free content that's coming around through subscription, which is a value add. Again, if you haven't looked at it, I recommend doing so because like there's some cool games. Even going so far as to translating some games that were kind of minor hits to mobile such that it'd be accessible to more people. It's a subtle thing that isn't talked about a lot, but that's super, super smart because it allows for the overall surface area that they could reach with their You're audience. talking about like a Stranger Things game? So Stranger Things, but also like, as a practical example, there was a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that was like released and like people really liked it. And it was on Xbox and Sony and what have you. And they have it within their system. You can go play it for free right now and you can play it on your mobile phone. Okay. Is a big change, right? Because, you know, I don't know if you have a console or not, but previously you could realistically only play that if you had an Xbox yeah. or, or a PlayStation or what have you. Now you can play it on your phone. So again, super subtle, but it's really, really smart in terms of how to expand that out. And then importantly, they're building these studios. So that's where it gets to like that house of cards angle that like, are they going to have to spend a lot? Again, I'm not nearly arrogant enough to know that, you know, what their overall strategy is, but like they're investing. And I think if they're invest, if they're smart enough to know that they should build some of their own studios and make some IP or whatnot, they probably also know it's super, super expensive to do so. Like making games is really, really yeah. hard. And it's, again, what we talked about before, it's time consuming, it's expensive, you need all the specialized talent and what have you. So all the signals there to me say that, you know, they're in this for the long run and doing so in a way that they want to make sure that they can create, both bring in content that isn't their own, but also create content that is their own to provide to their their right. customer. So not not an easy one, but don't do not count them out. I'll, I'll be actually, I'll be interested in, See now that they're actually the, in the ad business with their television product, if they'll if that's if that's a way that to get more folks into the in, in-game advertising over time, Jonathan, we could talk about this for forever. It's great stuff. Thanks so much, folks. Check out his book, and hopefully we'll talk again more. And it's not two and a half years next time, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're gonna aim for eighteen months. But <laughs> all right, for let's do awesome. it. It's a date. A big thanks to my guest this week, Activision Blizzard's Jonathan Stringfield, and of course my partners in architecture. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.